Good day, family. It's your man, Dame DNYDC, coming to you live from the DMV. Here today with my co-host, Elisa Middleton. She's got some things on her mind that, you know, we've been talking about back and forth. And um, today is one of them days, I think, uh, we just want to go ahead and, and get some things off our chest and share with you. Um, so, Lisa, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to you and just let you go ahead and uh, get started today. Thank you, Brother Dane. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, you know, we got a lot going on. It's just been a heavy time, you know, between COVID and the racial uh, things that we have going on in our communities and what we're fighting for, uh, justice, equality, and the dismantling of police departments Agreed. and their practices and cultures. I agree with you on that. Right. So here in Virginia, now we see Colorado has uh, made some history with getting rid of quality immunity, meaning that if you are uh, happen to be on the unfortunate receiving end of police brutality and you can't get criminal uh, justice or you do, but you can also get monetary, uh, you know, funds for like a civil, a civil suit then quality immunity as it stands now prohibits that. So what we need to do, follow suit with Colorado. Colorado made history with doing that. And we here in Virginia need to make history and follow suit uh, with that. Because what that says is that if we hold individual police officers uh, financially accountable for the injustices and wrongdoings and the over um, the abuse of power and excessive mm -hmm. force, then we should see a slow because no longer are you under the umbrella of the county or the state or whatever fund this comes from, and it doesn't come from your uh, personal pocket. Probably, right. So we can get rid of that. That definitely will help. So just to piggyback for for our listeners who may may not know uh, the, the I guess, the legal meaning of qualified immunity. Uh, qualified immunity is a judicial, judicially created doctrine that shields government officials uh, from being held personally liable for constitutional violations, uh, like the right to be free from ex excessive police force, like what you're talking about, sis. And uh, basically it it limits them or shields them for di for money damages under federal law. Uh, so long as officials don't violate clearly, and I'm doing air quotes, clearly wow. established law, you know, right. that's their protection. And that's what uh, a lot of these police officers uh, across the nation. Uh, but what we're talking about specifically here in Virginia, uh, this is applicable, applicable till this day. And you, this is what you're talking about, removing uh in lockstep with like how Colorado did. 
Right. Okay. And here in Virginia, it's sovereign immunity. Uh, it's the same, it's the quality, the same um, equivalent. So correct, it's correct. the same premise, everything. So we need to definitely uh, dismantle that because if you feel that you're holding someone financially, um, personally, financially responsible for wrongdoing, then we would have, we would hope that we would have a slow or a low or get rid of this kind of behavior because right now there's no consequences um criminally and then there's no consequences financially so there is nothing um that can stop this type of behavior so those are one of the things that we need to be fighting for here in the state of virginia and we also need to be making sure that we have a database in place it should be nationwide um and it should be also statewide Hmm. because if you we don't know the public how many uh infractions you may have as a police officer we know that mr george floyd the man that uh murdered him had 18. crazy and i mean 18 is is first of all it's ridiculous because you and i you know and to me policing is like any other job that you take right so you and I, if I go to if I go to work, I know generally most of the time you have up to a max of three infractions, and really, right. right? You know what I'm saying? At max, right? And depending on how egregious your first one could may or maybe you could be going on the first one, right? So how right. did how in the hell did this man get away with eighteen? Because the notion is that there's that when you complain against a police officer. It should go to an outside source that has, uh, that is, that knows the practices of the police department, knows the rules and the regulations, and knows the practice. So when you don't have that and you have 18 uh, complaints and then they say, okay, so you complain, but we don't, we don't find that to be what they call in, in, in police language as a founded. So it wasn't founded. So without founded, right? So that means that that complaint doesn't matter. Then you have 18 of these that whoever, because each department, it just depends. Not everybody has a civilian uh, complaint review board. So the complaint can go to your supervisor who you just got finished, you know, knocking down a couple of beers with over grilling on the weekend. And they do have a bias because we do know um, that police officers have a brotherhood. They have a code of silence. They have a wall, a blue wall. So they are the habit and the culture of protecting each other. So if you go and you make a complaint against the police and you don't have a civilian complaint review board, Mm -hmm. then where does your complaint actually go? So then you have this situation where you do have 18 complaints and three of them were founded, you know? So even 18 complaints, whether they were, (laughs) <laughs> not founded or not, that's 18 well, instances where you were involved right. in something. That's 18 flags. You had 18 opportunities, you know, of various flags to go ahead and I mean, somebody somewhere should have said, wait a minute, you know, we, we really need to have a conversation. We need to have an investigation. You know, even if that meant putting him on desk duty. I, I mean, get this man off the street. I mean, that's 18 flags. And in my opinion, that's, that's really 16 too many because... You know, you give me one time. 
Uh, you're having a bad day, whatever. Okay, okay, one time. Everybody has a bad day at work. You know, usually get your verbal. You know, you get your verbal on your first one. Right. The second one, though, and I mean, like I said, even to the third one, I mean, you are showing me your habit. You are a repeat offender. The same right. way they want to call, you know, those of us civilians repeat offender. You, as a right. police officer, right. you've established a pattern as a repeat offender. So right. you can't justify 18. There's no way in hell you can justify 18. But unfortunately, bruh, there are people with way more than that. And then True. you have people that will get reassigned mm. because of bad behavior. Mm -hmm. So what happens is they get reassigned to our communities. Right. So now you have these rogue cops that have been reassigned to uh, the African-American, the black communities, the Latino communities, the underserved. So now you have the over-policing. And that's when people say that our communities are over-policed because our communities are where they send the role, the disciplinary uh, issue, cops that, you know, have these problems. So now we're all left with all of this aggression. Right, <laughs> right. You know, no, you're right. nobody wants to take responsibility from the top for this behavior. And because the uh, uniform means so much that it's no way that, okay, this guy, he's just a hothead. Right. You know, they use terms of that nature, but you sending a hothead into a all black community and we get these type of situations, not to mention that you're a hothead, but you're also a racist, mm -hmm. a supremacist, what? because there is nothing in place that actually investigates your application to see if you are uh, affiliated with any nationalist groups, any groups of bias for anybody that one group or religion or anything like that. Right. So this is important. Well, I agree with you because, I mean, you know, it just made me think, and again, uh, you know, nothing against those who served our country, but I mean, a lot of police officers too come back that, that have some type of P PTSD trauma or whatever. Um, and again, you know, we talk about mental health. Uh, you know, that should be something that should seriously be looked at, you know, in their jacket or their profile coming, even, you know, I know we're dealing on a race issue. You know, I think that that seriously plays a, a big role in a lot of the interaction because these, these gentlemen are not from the neighborhood. It's really a fight or flight. They're coming in in their mind to do a job and they, they're trying to survive and get in and get out. But a lot of them, you know, also come from the military. Right. You know, and I think there really should be a real a deep medical investigation into their, their mental health. Right. Because again, I think a lot of times too, though, they're putting in an environment that trigger, that triggers certain stressors from, you know, if they were active in the military or, you know, in some type of firefight, gunfight, mm -hmm. um, it triggers that. And to a degree, I'm not going to say they, they see color or don't see color, but it's not really about caring about color at that point, you know? So it's, I think it's, it's definitely a mental health aspect that really needs to be delved into when we're trying to identify gentlemen coming out of our service uh, and right. trying to integrate them back into the community. Because uh, a lot of them come back and they become police officers and right. uh, law enforcement. I think that needs to be looked at as well. And some type of program or initiative, if we're going to dismantle... Uh, dismantle. Right. You know, we have to dismantle the police. Um, and if before we move forward with anything, I think we really need to come to an understanding of what are we looking for in a person's background, just like any other job? Right. You know, before we even try to reconstitute a framework to right. go back to 
whether it be community-based policing or hell, just policing in, in general. Right. You know, I think that because we have to destroy the culture. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there's no reform. Mm-hmm. You can't reform a culture. Right. And we're not here to uh, ask or beg for a racist or an oppressor to see our view. That's not what we're here for. Those days are over. We're saying you have no place in public service. Correct. Period. So the culture has to be dismantled because the culture and the foundation of policing is so deep rooted against African-Americans. So it just becomes a way of life Mm -hmm. for the police department because that is the culture, Mm -hmm. you know, the aggression and the rough housing and the looking at every black male as a criminal and and the brute force that you use when you interact with us. Um, I just was on a call and Northern Virginia, 19% African-American. Is that the, the, the construct of what, I guess the, the demographics of what you're saying, like 19% of Virginia is African-American? 19 North Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia. Okay, my bad. Northern Virginia. Okay. I was on a call. Nineteen mm-hmm. percent Northern Virginia, and fifty percent of the interaction with the police of African Americans had some some sort of form of brutality. Wait a minute. Wait. wait. So nineteen percent, right? It's the it's the demographics. We make up nineteen percent of Northern Virginia. And 50% of the interaction with police is -hmm. some form of brutality. Exactly. So that's a clear picture. We don't need uh, any, and we don't even need anything else. No, no. Because that just means that one out of two. Two, right. Interactions, yep. One is going to be. Somebody's going to get be brutalized or or lucky lucky to be brutalized if you don't die. When I say brutal, it means, um, it doesn't mean to the uh, effect, this is how it was said, brutal meaning pepper spray taste, baton used, I mean, I mean, and this is, this is, I'm oh, just, just breaking word. it down. I, I guess that makes me feel better. Oh, uh, exactly. I'm not going to die, but I'm going to, I'm going to give, I'm going to get, right? so that's crazy. It's, it's just that's crazy. bananas. Mm-hmm. It's bananas. So then you look at those type of numbers and you're saying okay we have real issues and we've been knowing this so you can't tell me that you haven't known what was going on and now all of a sudden you have a semi need to change it and i'm gonna say semi because we haven't seen any real tangible change as of yet not to say it can't happen, but as of yet, we have not seen any tangible um, changes as far as interacting with the police, you okay, know. Right. And I, I, it just it just behooves me across the country that we've been screaming this for centuries. And I'm glad that people are on board, but I just hope and pray that people are on board for the right reasons. Well, you know, uh, it, it, that point that you make kind of goes into a lot of things that we've talked about, not only personally, but I think a couple of times on, you know, on the podcast that, you know, we got to open our eyes and educate ourselves to really understand. And I thought this was a great topic because, I mean, just those numbers alone scream 
scream out how crazy in a microcosm here just in Northern Virginia. You know, and again, you know, I think I said this before, as a 50-year-old man, first of all, I worry about just based on the color of my skin. So now that really brings into light, like, what I feel. Based on the color of my skin, just walking out my house every day on my way, whether it be to work or to the store. Hell, I could be going to the doctor. I have a 50, it's really like a 50% chance that when or if I get pulled over, one, you know, I got to pray that I don't get shot, but these numbers are in Virginia, at least they're not killing us. But I'm going to get tased. (laughs) I'm going to get beat with a baton. You know what I mean? Spray. When you put, up, when you, you put that, because you ain't gonna just sit there. No, like, see, this is the problem because you don't get. So most of the interaction is for the police coming to you aggressively. Right. So you're a man, and you're saying I've I've done nothing wrong. Right. So now you have to be detained, and then you got you you being pulled on to get your hand, and you like get off of me. I haven't right. done anything wrong. Right. So now you're re- resisting arrest. Right. But what were you being arrested for in the first place? Well, that well, see that that's even a bigger thing, a bigger issue to me, because it's like you say, you know, one of the things uh, we had talked about in the conversation, you know, like you talk about the smell, the smell test or the smell law, and for me, it's really yeah. more about discretion, because. Any officer, discretion is such a big word, it's such a vague word, it's great. And you you can take 10 people and put them in a room and read the same passage from, from any article, and 10 people are going to come up with 10 different discretionary thoughts or perceptions, because that's really what discretion, discretion is. It's a perception, what you perceive, or really, it could be whatever the hell you want to make it up to be. Exactly. And a lot of times when police officers, police officers stop men of color, when you ask them why, they want to get an attitude with you because you want to know what it is that you did. But, you know, their discretion, they can use whatever the hell they want. They say, well, you know, I smell alcohol or I smell weed. Now, you know it's some bullshit. Right. Excuse my French. But, I mean, it aggravates me because I've had that happen to me before. Right, right, right. You know, right. but this is what you got to go through. And I think that word, that term needs to be removed and made clear. Right. Either you have, Either you have... A reason to stop me and you have to be able to state it right. or you leave me the hell alone. Right. You know, to sit and hold me based on discretion. Now, that means you don't like what I say. You can't find anything. So now you start digging. Right. And see, and then they want to, then they, they, they poke us to get a rise out of us right. to then go back into that slave catcher mentality exactly. to go ahead and say now that you're refusing, you know, uh, you're refusing orders, requests, whatever. So now they're going to go ahead and, and lock you up. Right. For refusing uh, to, to follow orders and all this other BS that they want to throw at you. Right. You know, so that needs to go away. And right. that, I mean, I'm sorry, I, I got personal on that one. That took me back. Got a flashback on that one. Okay, because most uh, uh, men do have those issues. I mean, these are facts. We're not trying to convince ourselves. No. We know what's been going on with us and the police for years, uh, centuries. This is nothing new to us. Us. Right. We are just saying that we had enough. We True. we're saying that we're done. We're saying by any means necessary, you will acknowledge, you will acknowledge us on an equality. You will treat us with the equity that we invested mm-hmm. in this country because you we're not asking for anything more. We're just asking 
for what we were asking because I need to stop well, saying that we're well, well, I, I was just gonna say like for me it's not even I, I'm not even asking it yeah, right now to I me it's myself, about what we deserve yeah, it's about what we deserve why? because I've been saying this for so long mm-hmm. that I have I catch myself this is like the fourth time I catch myself wait a minute no we're not asking anymore no. we're done the, asking exactly we are demanding we are taking our respect mm-hmm. because you have. You want to hold on to the ideology of nationalism and your superiority that you will do it by any means. Mm-hmm. And we're saying by any means that part is over. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm over, uh, you know, uh, like the whole Juneteenth, um, you know, this whole it's like, they, like you know, uh, my wife and I we were talking about, you know, that's one of those pat on the heads. Like they want to give us crumbs off the table and give us bones. And like in the past. It was like we were always happy. Oh, thank you. Like I'm no dude. I'm not no no thank you. And I mean, again, I'm at that point where like two guns up, I'm ready to give you the two middle fingers. Like yo, I I can care less about that because we we're old. We're past even being old. That right. It, I'm not even demanding it no more. You want me to go ahead and and, and pat you on the back or right. shake your hand for something that that should have been done, you know, two hundred years ago. Exactly. I can care less about that. That's Show me right. something that that's that's even more tangible. Show me that you're going to continue to do more that it will even make me t- turn my head to look at you like, oh, really? You right. actually finally now catching on to, to what we've been saying all these hundreds of years? Right. But until then, yeah, okay, whatever, bro. Whatever. I, I, and now I, not like, like, and, and they expect us to let up, let go. And what I'm saying is that we're not letting up, we're not letting go. We want laws changed. We exactly. want something tangible. What the president uh, wrote, that bill is not tangible. It's not enough. It does nothing. And we are not sufficing for that. We're going down to the General Assembly in Virginia, in Richmond. Mm. Um, we're inviting the whole state of Richmond, all 19% of us, so before- to go change these laws. So do me a favor. Let let our listeners know here in the DMV, you know, give them a little bit more about that because that, that's a great piece and I think that should be shared. So just give everybody a little more information about that piece and, and what you're looking to put together and what's driving, you know, the driving force behind all of that. The driving force is going to have to be us, mm-hmm. the black community, the 19% statewide Okay. In Virginia, to show up at the state capitol and demand tangible changes from our uh, uh, delegates, our senators, and everyone down in our uh, capital of Virginia, and when the the governor is going to call a special session mm-hmm. because of everything that is going on, he's calling a special general assembly. Right. We don't know when it is. We're anticipating that it's going to be sometime the end of August, September. We are um, in the process. We did get for Stafford. We got a donation from a bus company for the bus. Mm-hmm. So we we're trying to facilitate that and join with others to get every uh, county in the state of Virginia to go down and we show up in droves to let the state of Virginia know that we are here and we are not going anywhere. We demand our equity. We demand change and we demand tangibles. So that's basically what it is. We're asking for um, the quality immunity to be be, uh, uh, done away with. We're also going to be asking for the, da- the database 
like we were discussing uh, earlier. So there is a lot of bills that are uh, coming up. So we, we need to be there. And if there's something there that anyone that's listening to me that you would like to see, then you need to show up because we need to get this done. And we're not going to show up one time. We're going to show up every time there is bills that have to do with us directly as African-Americans in the state of Virginia. I think that is an awesome idea. Um, I just learned uh, something in, in this moment. Um, and we're going to figure out a way to make sure that we proactively begin, you know, from this episode to reach out to the community. And we're going to figure out a way to go ahead and make sure we reach out uh, to the community to try to go ahead and get as many counties, as many black businesses, uh, black transportation, uh, whatever we can uh, to go ahead and coordinate this effort. And you and I, you know, let's make sure before, you know, we do anything, let's get our ducks in a row so we can do something to put this out. Because I think this is, is something that, that we really need uh, to really we affect. To. Yeah, I think I, that's a great I, idea. I, I, yeah, I will, we have to do this. And if anyone would like to sign up, they can go to the unitedblackcouncil.org so that's www.theunitedblackcouncil.org put in your name and your email address and we will uh, start strategizing uh, organizing and mobilizing to get us down there okay so now now that now that uh, United Black Council has been introduced to the world officially right exactly officially we'll give you a round of applause uh, now, now those of us that are associated with two mics up and associated with you, we we are familiar with the Black United Council. But please, again, use this time on this platform to make sure you share with everybody what what is it all about? What's your vision? What's your goal? Let's get this word out. Okay. Well, the Black the uh, United Black Council is a grassroots organization that I founded out of this movement. So it's uh. It's nonprofit, and what this what this uh, organization is going to do is com community based. And when I say community based, that means that um, we're going to be fighting on a state level, community wise, for equality, equity, because equity is important yes. for us, yeah. and also uh, injustice and the police uh, dismantling, defunding, and uh, that sorts. But Moreover, it is going to be, my vision for this is to be where people of color can mm. come. And if you are having any type of situation with the school board or you need some type of support or if you are uh, in some sort of need yes. in, any, in any kind, that hopefully we will get to a place where we're able to help our own. Okay. Because we, this, this, this um, organization for me is going to be about helping ourselves. Okay. You know, and it's going to be multi-level, but mostly charitable. And then, um, of course, we're always going to be fighting for justice. That's just a no-brainer. Right. You know, <laughs> but it's mostly like us, you know, rebuilding our communities in the way that we want to see our communities look like, you know? Right. right. No, I... I, I... I love the idea. Um, 
more importantly, and I'm going, I'm going to say this for myself. <laughs> I'm proud that I'm proud to have you as my co-host. Uh, I'm proud of everything that you've done uh, from the inception, not only of, you know, honoring me with your, your presence each and every week, uh, each and every time we do something. Um, but I'm honored and I'm blessed to be able to see you grow in your space and in your place. And I'm, I'm just happy that I can be a part of that journey. Um, we can do this together. So we're going to make sure that, you know, we again do something to also get that out to our community, not just here in, in Virginia. I want to go ahead. You know me. I'm, I'm going to spread the wealth. I want, I want the DMV. I want to go ahead north, south, wherever it has to go. Let's take it to wherever it has to go. So, you know, congratulations to you. And I just want to let y'all listeners know y'all heard it here first on Two Mics Up. Black United Council is coming to you live with two mics up straight from the DMV, people. Right, right. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Dave. No you doubt, no doubt. You know, we side by side in this fight. All day. To the end. We got we to gotta see our people through, but I thank you for the platform. So you know how that goes. No, I we appreciate all, you. You know, we're going to get this done. Yes, we, indeed. We're we going to get this done. So. Yes, indeed. So is is there anything else? Um, you know, you, you had mentioned your call. Was there anything else on the call? Or anything else that you uh that you learned or you want to share? Because I know, yes. I know, I know you got notes. I know you got notes. <laughs> I got notes. I got notes, bro. And they're not good. These are the notes that keep you up at night, you know? So even though we 19% of the whole state, we 55% residents of incarceration. Okay. Wait, wait, stop, stop. So let so my number the, the numbers just keep progressing. So yes. 19% of us in the state. One out of two of us is getting brutalized, but another fifty percent out of a half is, is going to jail. Exactly. That's exactly. crazy. These numbers are ridiculous. Numbers are staggering in the state of Virginia. You would think that the way the state is and the people that you know you meet and you live around, you know, that we I always thought Virginia was progressive, but we are one of the most regressive states. In the country. Wow. So we have to get busy. We have to do our part. Uh, we have to stop this pipeline from uh, high school to prison. That has to go. We have to stop mass incarceration. Agreed. And we, we need to, one of my big babies that I just, I just feel this, the, the decks are stacked up against us in the judicial system is that the prosecutor gets unlimited funds yeah. and i don't I, and, and when i say unlimited not that they have an unlimited budget but they have a hefty amount yeah. of a budget so they are able to get you know their uh you know their resources their they resources have, yeah. when it comes down to the public defender mm -hmm. they're almost starved you know, they are not being funded equally. So if you have an overworked public defender's office and a surplus on the prosecution side, then you already know that poor people, black people, Agreed. you don't stand chance in a, in a courtroom well, in Virginia. Well, you know? that's anyway. And I, I've, I've said this for a long time. You know, the blindfolds on Lady Justice need to come off. Yes. You know, Lady Justice is blinded. She blind as a bat. Take she the damn. She need to see. And at the end of the day, that is a big thing. What you're talking about, there's no way or no, there's no rhyme or reason as to why uh, a public defender is overworked and underpaid. Uh, you know, and and really, that's a reflection of our society as a whole. 
is a reflection, that's a huge reflection of the injustice of the so-called, air quotes, justice system. And if you have to be blind not to see that even though she holds scales in her in her other hand that's supposed to resemble balance, that scale is broke as hell and it's so uneven, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And we have a lot of work to do, so we need to start buckling down. Um, I'm I'm always in like little places trying to get little nuggets of information mm -hmm. because we information like you always say, bruh. Knowledge is power, and if you know what is going on, then you you know what you're fighting. Then we need to go ahead and get this change. We have to reach out, and and people always say, you know, reach out to your congressman. But you know, sometimes what that looks like to us is just a saying in the wind, right? Because we are navigating through life, we are trying to raise children, we are you know working. So you know who has time to even invest in that so now we got to change the way we think right right with that so i'm hoping that the united black council can be that for so, well let, let me let me give a suggestion that i've thought about and i've been mulling over and i want to share with you for the council because you just Come brought up yeah, I'm just, you just brought up something great right so we all are busy with our lives but there is a couple of things that I know personally that you and I've talked about. So like the George Floyd situation and uh, the Mar uh, Marbury situation down in Georgia where people just called and called and called and called. Now, this is going to be a little out on a tangent, but I think it's a great idea. Creating some type of call center yes. where even if it's just people taking turns to volunteer to dial a number yes. and and flood who whoever, congressman's office or whoever, because... Yes. Because one thing that we can agree on, and we talked about even with those situations, that did finally get somebody to move their ass because it was annoying. Yes. It got people to have to move because we made them uncomfortable. Right. And I because think... talking 22,000 phone calls. Exactly. So that, that's an amazing number, right? <laughs> and, and that was, I think that was less than, that was like less than 10 hours or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. And what he has built because he built this system. Exactly. Where the, the petition actually turns into a letter. Letter, right. Sent to whoever it generates to. And then the phone call system that he sent, the numbers are being directed yep. to different people. Yep. So it's an amazing system that Brother Sean uh, King. Exactly. Used. I am telling you, he is a warrior on the ground. God yes. bless him and his family. He's going through some things with yeah. these, what's going on. But that is a true warrior. And that's somebody who inspires me to do what I need to do. Well, and Piggyback that idea. You need to piggyback yes. and, and put that in your in your yes. Rolodex or yes. whatever we use it nowadays. Yes. I guess I didn't show my age. You but Put it in, put it, drop it in I your notes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> drop air notes or whatever, whatever, drop notes or whatever. How, but I mean, I just think that right now, because of the way things are moving and a lot of these organizations, like you said, big shout out to Sean King, you know, and, and may he remain protected. And I hope he has a real strong group uh, of supporters around him, you know, taking care of that brother. Um, but I think that's such a great idea to be able to have something where 
you know, if you have volunteers that can, you know, whether it be for a short period of two days or, or okay. three days that are willing to come in and operate phones around yes. the clock just to keep pressing a button, yes. you know, yes. just to get somebody uncomfortable and get them out their chair or out their seat. That's right. Just to keep whatever it is we want to push. Like you said, these assemblies that are coming up to yes. talk about bills and get things pushed on the floor. We got to be irritants and let's be irritants. Yes. Let, let's shake, let's shake it up. Let's do something no different. Justice, no peace. Hell no. Hell no. No peace. I agree. And that's what no peace looks like. We're going to aggravate the hell yeah. out of you yeah. because you've gotten our vote. Now we at we asking for warriors down there, and just the same way that our counterparts stormed the Capitol for the Second Amendment right with their guns and this and that, we will be at the Capitol speaking on behalf of our people and standing in solidarity and with this Capitol. So we're looking for this movement to be in three or four folds. The first one will be the special general assembly and the assembly is only in place from January to March. So we're looking to go from, if it's called in September, then we're looking for January, February, and March. We're showing up. We have to, we have to. I yeah. agree. We have to. Yeah. I mean, power to the people. And oh, the power is to the people. We hold the power. So we have to get it done. Keep that foot on the gas. Like I always say, keep that keep that foot on the gas. Don't don't ease up. No. We can't afford to ease up. Agreed. Things are bad on all. It's so much. And it's not even funny. I think this, it's just like, it's just so much from everything. It you is. know, health care, housing, inequality. I mean, it's just every, 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 I read something that said that our wealth gap. So, whew, so you, are you talking, are you talking about our economic financial strength? Is that what we're talking about as a, as a people? Oh, well, well, that's another show. Cause that, you that ain't never lied. That depressed me. Well, I mean, I already know. Cause I, like I said, doing my research, so I, when I read, you know, look, we'll, we'll give a snippet. You know, we worse than 1930. You know, we talking about almost a, a a century. That hurt my feelings. And so we we again, I'm gonna use the old old our family our old our old heads uh, term. We've been hoodwinked and bamboozled into believing that Jay Z and Oprah and the Tyler Perrys have done great things, and you too, my Black American, can do the same. On the side, they're going wah wah bullshit. You know? When you look at those numbers, those numbers don't lie. Yeah, true. Those numbers do not lie. It's crazy when you think and about it. And it's so sad because I was just blown away that the gap. I mean, good lord. Mm-hmm. It, it's so, got. And, and we talk about an economic gap of sixty percent, but our, we are for a total our wealth total wealth gap is somewhere like. You know, to their eighty percent, we twenty percent. Yeah. Like that is the the gap. <laughs> the gap continues to get bigger and bigger. The more and, and the funny thing about it, like I said, the more we we like to think or believe that we are progressing, the lies continue behind us and underneath us, and it's hard for us to see sometimes. You know, until we get to points like this, where there is a crisis in America. It's a crisis. It's a, this is a real straight up crisis, and I don't. And I'm not. I'm not even talking about the pandemic. I'm. That's a whole. That's a whole nother conversation. I'm just talking about just the, the interaction and the respect 
as human beings, like I said, they love us more than they, they love their dogs more than they love us. You know, and that, that, that's a painful thing. To be hated. To be hated. And, and that's really what it is. When, when I look at, I'm being compared to, to being less than a dog. Yeah. Just for the color of my skin. For the color of your skin. Not, and not, everything is is more, well, they say because of the color of your skin. But I, I have other thoughts on that. But I know that it's because you are a warrior. I know that they are they fear you, black man. Mm-hmm. They fear your intelligence and they fear your your your, your sheer strength. And when mm-hmm. I say strength, I mean your will. Your will to fight, your will to live, your will to defend. Mm. That's what is the frightening part for them. Because right. I can't accept that it's just the color of our skin. You're mm. afraid of something more. And I know what it is because it's 401 years and we are still here. And your heart and your your resilience and your defiance mm-hmm. to crumble. It, under any of this is 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 almost a phenomenon. It's almost a feat that is amazing. No. So you black man, they you have to be put down immediately of course. in their mind. In their mind, right? You are a threat. You are a threat just because of your sheer heart. Your heart. You because is. your heart, you got heart. You. That's why they take us down like that, and we go down fighting because of our will, our heart, our our will to uh, be defiant and to let you know that those days that you think mm-hmm. that we are in, those submissive mm-hmm. days are over. And you, you, you are so you're like two hundred percent on the head with that one because it, it really is even in general conversation sometimes. And I, I, I just take it like you know on a work level um, to be in the position that I'm in, and it's. Sometimes when I talk to maybe my supervisor or a counterpart who is is white, um, sometimes it comes across like I'm the defiant one because I may know more or I may share more or have more knowledge of. And it's not to be, um, you know, sometimes I know I can do it on purpose. I, that I do know. But generally, like, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying, yeah, my man, this ain't one, I ain't one of the regular ones, you understand what I'm saying? But, you know, just in our presence, and I know for me, a lot of times I'm the only black male figure in the room, and my presence alone causes awkwardness. Now, to me, I'm like, what's your problem? You know what I'm saying? So I do know, I do see it, and it is, like you say, Sometimes it does come across as like they try to make it make me feel like I'm the defiant one when I do ask questions or my train of thought might be different. Nobody's wrong. I mean, we having a general conversation on how to get from point A to point B in a task. I mean, as far as I know, there's 10 or 15 ways to get from here to California. So my path, my, my choice might be a little different than yours, but now I'm being defined because I didn't agree with the other nine white faces in the room. Right. So yeah. now you are... I'm defined. Well, Damon, what's all aggressive. that about? Yeah, I'm not, now I'm aggressive. Right. <laughs> and it, it, it does happen. And I mean, I know it probably happens a lot too with our, our women because even our women now, y- y'all have been put in a situation, again, well-deserved, but I think y'all are also put in because you know then they come with that angry black woman yes. syndrome or comment. Yes. 
Yeah. Whenever you and, and, bring and it in. That's horrible. Oh, it's and, terrible. And, and, and the feeling alone, because we can't, first of all, let me just break that whole thing down for women. Because we can't even wear our hair as mm. it grows out. Of we have mm. to have a whole uh, law that says, the crown law, that says that, that we're able to wear our hair mm-hmm. out of Crazy. our head the way that it grows naturally. We need a whole law right. to be acceptable because our hair is offensive mm. to to them. So, so, so that's just one. So that means that when we get up, it starts from when we get up in the morning. Right. Yeah. Because right. as a woman, you know, like, you know, man, you can shower, put your clothes up. We have to groom, right? Right. right. So as a woman, when we get up in the morning, we have to start diminishing who we are from the time we wake up you know, and use the restroom. That's part, that's you know what? I'm gonna give you because as a man, first of all, as a as a man and a black man, you know what? I've never ever taken in that that concept or that thought in my mind. Yes. You know, yes. I mean, it, it, the, the only thing that I can even relate to that is, um, you know, uh, I want to say it was either last night or the night before, uh, we were watching um, uh, uh, Living Single. Well, mm-hmm. you remember Queen Latifah and all of them? And, yeah, and, and yeah. the brother Kyle, mm-hmm. he had the locks in his hair. Yes. And they did an episode where I guess, you know, he was a broker and he was trying to broker a deal. Yeah. Right. And they was, he was trying to broker a deal with Africa. Uh, you know, Africa was the up and coming continent and market, whatever. Long story short, another brother who was a partner basically told him mm-hmm. that he would never become the lead or senior partner on that unless he cut his hair. Yes. And yes. first of all, that bothers me. But to even spin it fast, fast forward, even in that show, though, the white counterparts, though, although they did feel that way initially, and so they talked about it, they felt that he was the best person for the job because he was coming from a point and a place that he could talk authentic. to. Authentic. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. So, yes. you know, now that you said, again, looking at it from that perspective, I've never yes. looked at it. Like, even now, now I'm going to look at my wife differently. I'll be honest with you. And yes. I'm going to look at I'm going to look at you differently because yes. as a man, and again, I don't have locks, but that right. kind of puts all of that in context now for me. Yes. That's a very powerful and yes. vivid image now that I can walk away with that. I mean, yes. I would have never, I never thought of that. Yes. So we start, we start in the morning with conforming. Mm. I call it conforming. Mm-hmm. So once we have to get our hair done, because most sisters, you know, we to do our hair is a process, mm-hmm. right? So we like to get our hair braided. We like to have it, especially during the week. If you're raising a family, you're going to work, you would like to wear your hair comfortable for you. But if you're in corporate America, Mm. braids are looked at a little differently. Mm. You have to have the hair a little straighter. Mm. You have to maybe, you know, go with the weave or go with the permanent or go with it. But now the movement is starting where we're starting to go natural. So now that we're going natural, it's a problem because see, wow. we went through this whole phase of the weave and the perm and the straight hair in corporate America right. and the more blending and trying to be more European. And it's not something that you set out to do. It's just something that happens along the way as a woman you are conditioned mm. because as you start getting education as you start um, navigating through corporate America you start seeing that maybe you are one or two black women in the room 
or maybe you wow. are the only black, black woman, woman in the room. Wow. So now the braids look, and I'm doing air quotes, people out there, don't, don't come at me. Right. Ghetto or uh, ethnic or urban. You, you, you know? yeah, you're, you're so telling the truth, though. In the boardroom mm. with your natural locks, and they are affected. We have to have a whole law that says that you can't discriminate against me for what God. Right. The way my hair grows naturally. Right. So we start with that process and then we definitely can't be loud. Mm. So make sure that you understand. That's right. You come you better come in like a mouse. You, you better be meek to. like a mouse. Yeah. And you, and, and you have to we, we all most black women have two we we two people. Mm. We the we the we the girl at work, right? And we be your home girl when we get off, right? Because the girl at work, you know, we 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 have a, a whole dialect that we have to go through. We have, you know, it, it's just the whole situation. But I say today, I'm done with all that. Oh, hey, look, I, I ain't mad at you because we, we we all do on both sides, you know. My intellect has nothing to do with my hair mm. at all. You understand, my intellect has nothing to do with my dialect. Right. So, you will not, I will no longer curve the natural base that's in my voice. Right. Because when I'm at work, I don't talk like, you know, you see, I have a little bass, I'm a little, I have my little voice boxes a little loud, but when I'm at work, I'm on a... Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't feel bad. Yeah, this is Elisa. Mm. You know? Don't feel bad. Look. (laughs) I give you a short story. So I had, I, you know, my job one time I was working. So they had bring your bring your child to work day, right? So I bring my daughter to work, and she's with me. We're at work, and I got her in my office. So, like you said, you got a work personality. <laughs> so, <laughs> at the time, the place I was working at, uh, it was kind of on purpose. But uh, a lot of the uh, my white counterparts, everybody was like, "Hey, buddy, hey, buddy, hey, buddy." So you know, the whole day I'm working or whatever. And every time I interact with a co-worker that wasn't, you know, uh, black or black, right. So my daughter comes home and she tells, <laughs> tells my wife, she's like, Mom, she said, I don't know who that guy is. I don't know who that is. Because when he goes to work, <laughs> everybody and everything is, hey, buddy, how you doing today, buddy? And I was like, yeah, I said, girl, you're going to learn one day what this is all about. And funny enough. Uh, she still tells that story today, but she too now understands. Like everything that you just said, yes. you know, there's that home conversation in voice yes. or your people, and yes. then there's that work voice, yes. your professional uh, voice that comes into play. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not gonna call it. Fa- I'm gonna call it professional because I got to get that coin. I got to get that bread. You know, so. But it's it's a true it's true it's funny. One day I'm gonna ask her about that again because she had me she had me in stitches. She was like, you know, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know. I don't right. know. Yeah. Right. Because some days I just be looking and I'm just like, okay. But now you know, at some point you have to be who you are. Right. Unapologetically, who you are. Well, and you, that's where I'm at. I, I'll be I'll be honest with you and, I, and tie this up on this for me. It's not even about being unapologetic. You know, right now, um, and this is, again, me personally and my personal feeling. The Lord has blessed me to be here 50 plus years. Never thought, you know, in America and at a time, it's rare to see men, men, black men make it to this age that are 
I'm not in jail. I don't have, again, I don't want the, these stereotypes that I'm throwing out. Please, nobody take offense to, but I'm just throwing out stereotypes. I don't have 10 baby mamas. I don't have eight kids. You know, I try to be, and I try to work to be a better person first, which will help make me become a better dad, which helps me become a better husband, a better father. But I don't think there was a time that I wasn't supposed to make it this long. Right. And I'm not even, uh, not to be unapologetic, I'm just demanding now. I think, not even, I, think, I know I, I, I deserve better. I deserve to be treated fairly, equally. It's like any other human being. Right. And it's, it's not even like I'm looking for it, I'm expecting it. Right. And uh, I feel comfortable in saying that and sharing that. So right. I'm going to leave agree. that there. I agree. I agree with you uh, 300%. No more asking. You're going to treat me with respect. You're mm -hmm. going to treat me like a human being. You're going to treat me civilly. You're going to treat me like I pay taxes in this mug. Okay. Gonna... <laughs> okay. Okay. And you're going you're gonna to treat me just like um, you treat anyone else. Agreed. So I will not be treated differently on any level. Um, so, yeah, we have to get, we have to dig in. This is going to be a long fight, but we have to dig in. Agreed. Yep. Well, I think that ties up this episode. This was a fantastic ride, a fantastic conversation, and I know we, you and I can keep going, uh, but I think we gotta, we gotta leave something for everybody. So before we go, do me a favor and go ahead and share with everybody once again where they can find you, uh, your website for the Black United Council. Yes, it is www.theunitedblackcouncil.org. All right, so listeners, please go ahead. Uh, check it out. Go ahead and sign up and register. While you're doing that, you can also check Lisa and I out on Two Mics Up. We're at www.twomicsup.com. You can go ahead and subscribe. It's free to subscribe. Go ahead and join. Follow us. Um, also, follow us on social media. We're on IG, Twitter, Facebook, all that Two Mics Up. Uh, again, drop us a line. Send us an email at uh, either twomicsup.com, I mean, twomicsup at gmail.com, or you can reach out to vp2micsup at gmail and leave us a message, note, response, question, or just go ahead and rant whatever you're feeling for today. Uh, on that note, we're going to go ahead and close out. As always, be safe, be blessed. Two mics out. Two mics out. Hello, listeners. As many of you may be aware that Blackout Day 2020 is just around the corner. July 7th, 2020 is the official date. If you're a black business owner in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, take a minute to head over to the Virginia Black Business Directory and join today. Get listed in the fastest growing directory in our area. Help support other black businesses and also add yours to the business directory today. It's time for us to build a network of black businesses that will help serve to educate, empower, and positively impact our black communities here and around the DMV. Go to www.vablackbusinessdirectory.com today. this time I'd like to take a minute to give uh, our closing credits. I'd like to thank Ann Cunningham, our executive producer for today's show. 
I'd like to also thank our creative marketing team, uh, A. Cunningham and D. Martin, for all the information provided uh, to the web and our social media platforms. I'd also like to take a minute to read our credits for the intro and outro. Shout out to SK for my intro called Can I Live? Check out more about SK at freemusicarchive.org forward slash music forward slash SK forward slash none underscore given underscore 1518 forward slash SK underscore dash underscore Ken dash I dash live. My outro, thank you to Kevin McLeod uh, for Ice Flow. You can find more about Kevin McLeod at uh, incometech.filmmusic.io forward slash song forward slash three eight nine eight dash ice dash flow.